This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I am Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We are broadcasting out of Washington, D.C., also known as Piss Town. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. So I have to admit that when I saw the headlines last night that Jeffrey Epstein was found in his cell with... uh, wounds on his neck or whatever (laughs) in a fetal position in a fetal position i like many other people immediately thought they were trying to whack him you immediately thought of the ron paul gif it's happening (laughs) (laughs) but but i think you got a pretty good take on this yeah, I don't think. I think if they were trying to whack him, he'd be whacked. He would be whacked. Or it, he'd it, have like a stab wound or be severely beaten. You, you brought up Whitey Bulger and uh, Whitey was basically bludgeoned to death. Yeah, when that's it, what he, happens he was, when they're trying to off you in prison. You generally get offed or seriously wounded. This seems more like Epstein making a play for bail. He was denied bail a few days ago. He's in prison. He wants to be back in his mansion. So he strangled himself for a little bit and got in a fetal position. False flag. Although Corey Pine on uh, Twitter was bringing up an interesting point. It's hard to dismiss it as just a coincidence that Epstein happens to just be in close proximity with a killer cop, a drug dealing killer cop who is known for violence at the facility and who was a suspect in this so-called beating of Epstein and that maybe they're not trying to kill him as much as trying to scare the shit out of him. So maybe they like choked him for a little bit, but I don't know. To me, the more, the more likely explanation here is he did it to himself. He's trying to get that luxury house arrest. Yeah. Until his trial or whatever. Some good news Uh, Among the Sams, the Sentinel gang, we're going to get that money from Equifax. (laughs) Equifax data breach now good. I signed in, put in my name and my uh, social security number. Hopefully this isn't a scam to steal my identity. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, it says that I was affected by the breach and I'm entitled to uh, some sort of settlement. And I think I might get like 125 bucks next year. Same. I... uh... I have to make sure I have credit monitoring. Yeah. And then I will, because I also did this, hopefully not a scam thing. I entered my, uh, part of my social security number into this thing. And sure enough, I was also one of the 148 million or whatever people who chances are you are one of one of these people well the only reason i knew this was going on is i saw street fight brian tweeting about it and he was not one of the people unlucky so maybe it's extremely unlucky if if i yeah i don't think it's a scam anyway i hopefully sometime down the road i'll get that 125 dollar check just gotta uh, just file the claim it's super easy i suggest all the listeners out there do the same Uh, It sucks that we have these massive credit reporting agencies to begin with. It sucks even more that they can't keep our data secure and they leak it off to whoever. But we can get paid. Get (laughs) that money. This one time. And in this world where we're constantly having our data taken from us, 
either willingly or not so willingly or deceived into having our data stolen and never getting compensated for it. This is the one time you can claim you're compensated for it. Get get that money. All right. We have the newscast coming up in a second. We've got the garbage can coming up at the end of the show for subscribers. If you're not a subscriber, now's a good time to become one. Patreon.com slash District Sentinel, five bucks a month. You get access to all the content we put out, like the garbage can. You also get your own haiku written for you and read on the air. So all that coming up. First, a programming note. This is our last show for a bit because we're hitting the road. We're doing uh, no show tomorrow. We're doing the garbage can today, so no show tomorrow. Then Sunday, we're doing a live show here in D.C. And then we're hitting the road with Street Fight Radio and the Trillbillies. We've talked about it a lot, but we're going to be gone all next week. And we're coming back halfway through the week after that. So no show for like two weeks. We will be trying to post some content on the road. You all know where to follow uh, the Sentinel on Twitter. Uh, We'll try to post maybe some little snippets on our Patreon as well. So be on the lookout for that. Yeah, I would say uh, check the Sentinel Twitter account because it will... uh It will be active. Yeah, yeah, of course it will be. (laughs) We we will be... Chances are we will be experimenting more with video and... uh, yeah, who knows? We might we might just turn on that thing and rant while we're in the van because we'll we'll be driving long distances and uh, it, we, we might just switch that thing on. Let's get to the business at hand today. It's Thursday, July twenty fifth, twenty nineteen. Here's the news: Major car makers have agreed to emission standards with the state of California, potentially setting up a clash with the White House. Today, BMW, Volkswagen, Honda, and Ford all said they came to a deal with California policymakers. State regulator Mary Nichols told Reuters that the four companies had sought regulatory certainty and said they wouldn't challenge California authority on emission standards. Last summer, the Trump administration said that the state shouldn't have the right to set its own rules on the matter, arguing that federal standards preempt whatever benchmarks California tries to set. So far, the president has not yet tweeted that he is upset, which would be an indication that he will definitely try to stop this somehow. Rest assured, uh, some corporate ghouls in D.C. are probably right now trying to figure out a way to get the administration to step in, Um, probably get Fox and Friends uh, to rant about it, and then the president will tweet about it, and then the gears will get in motion. That's generally how things work. They're likely getting paid a lot to do this as well. No greater indictment of the idea of progress than this. In the year 2019, the Department of Justice is bringing back the death penalty. There hasn't been a federal execution in more than 15 years. There's only been three in total since 1988. But on Thursday, Attorney General Bill Barr directed authorities to schedule executions for five inmates sitting on death row. The Federal Bureau of Prisons decreed that Federal executions will be carried out via lethal injection with the use of pentobarbital. In a statement, Barr claimed, quote, The Justice Department upholds the rule of law, and we owe it to the victims and their families to carry forward the sentence imposed by our justice system. Of course, anyone who pays attention knows that the death penalty does not uphold justice. 
It's applied disproportionately along race and class lines. Countless inmates have been released from death row after exonerating evidence was found. And who knows how many countless more people were executed before that exonerating evidence could come to light. The majority of states in the country are not using the death penalty. This year, New Hampshire became the 25th state to abolish it. Four other states have imposed moratoriums on the punishment. There are currently 62 inmates on federal death row. Barr stated that the new round of federal executions for five of those inmates are scheduled for later this year and into next. You can be assured that we're going to execute innocent person or a few as a result of this. Definitely. And uh, they'll probably try to get that speed death penalty against Jeffrey Epstein so he doesn't (laughs) testify against Trump. House Democrats today held a hearing on legislation designed to make labor law more friendly to workers. The bill would protect and expand their right to organize, to form unions, to strike, and to petition bosses for improved working conditions. Though these rights were won in the 1930s, they were rolled back in 1947 when Congress passed the Taft-Hartley Act. House Democrats' bill, the so-called Protecting the Right to Organize Act, would reverse a lot of draconian anti-worker provisions in Taft-Hartley, which came into law a few years before union density in this country reached its historical peak before declining. No coincidence there. Unsurprisingly, Republicans invited a union-busting lawyer lobbyist to testify against the legislation, G. Roger King, a Federalist Society member who works for something called the HR Policy Association. <laughs> this guy is like the er HR guy dipshit. Who is <laughs> Most of the time when someone's name starts with a letter, they're bad. <laughs> they're bad. They're, they're country club bad. Anyway, uh, King claimed the bill being advocated by Democrats would infringe on workers' freedom. He didn't mean that, uh, he didn't say, but what he meant was their freedom to be manipulated and used by their bosses, their freedom to lick boots, their freedom to poverty pay, etc. Anyway, here was King being grilled by House Education and Workforce Committee Chair Bobby Scott. They're using legalese, but uh, Scott basically gets King to admit that all his talk about freedom is bullshit. Here they are discussing Supreme Court decisions that would be overturned by the Protecting the Right to Organize Act. All of those cases, from my perspective, thoughtfully reviewed the statutes in question and arrived at the right decision. So if it was uh, based on constitutional right, you couldn't overturn it with a statute. If it's based on statutory interpretation, a new um, act would be okay. It's constitutionally okay. Certainly from a policy perspective, we wouldn't think it would be okay, but I understand your question. So in other words, not even this Federalist Society dipshit will cry unconstitutional when better worker protections are proposed, probably because Taft-Hartley includes obviously draconian measures like bans on secondary picketing and the the, uh, secret ballot election provisions, which are designed to help managers rig votes against union certification. First-term Michigan Democrat Andy Levin went off on the secret ballot election issue. Here he is going after G. Roger King for bringing Senator Ted Kennedy into it, which, whatever, who really gives a shit about Ted Kennedy. But Levin was rude to a union-busting dweeb lawyer, which ruled. Uh, I am 
disappointed that you would mischaracterize the position of someone who's no longer with us. Mr. Kennedy was the original sponsor of the Employee Free Choice Act in the Senate, as you well know, a bill that would do away with the uh, situation where workers have to have an election against their boss just to decide to have a union at work. And he was a champion of workers' freedom to form unions without that uh, American uh, innovation. And uh, so I, I don't really appreciate his name being used to oppose that policy. Well, if I and may, I, I no, I'm, I, I'm not asking you to respond. And, I worked and with Senator Kennedy for many years on sir, the Senate side. Sir, I'm not, I'm not yielding you time. Anyway, it's looking like House Democrats could actually do something smart this Congress by passing this legislation. The bill already has 179 co-sponsors. But last time Nancy Pelosi was Speaker, the Employee Free Choice Act had a majority of the House co-sponsoring it, and Pelosi didn't even bring it up for a vote. Maybe she will this time under a president who actually has zero chance of signing it into law. Finally today, interesting events in the Republican-controlled Senate Foreign Relations Committee. The panel was marking up legislation offered by its chairman, Jim Risch, to punish Saudi Arabia for its killing of Jamal Khashoggi. Risch worked with the White House to craft watered-down legislation barely rebuking the kingdom. It limited a few visas and directed Secretary of State Pompeo to just review the U.S.-Saudi relationship. But senators on the committee immediately recognized it as too weak and essentially killed the Republican chairman's resolution and replaced it with a stronger one offered by the Democratic ranking member Bob Menendez. That legislation blocked some arms sales to Saudi Arabia and stopped U.S. refueling missions for Saudi's bombing campaign in Yemen. The usually horny for war Lindsey Graham joined with the usually horny for isolationism Rand Paul and the rest of the Democrats on the panel to approve of Menendez's replacement bill. Chairman Risch criticized the proceedings, describing them as futile since President Trump won't sign the stronger resolution. He also predicted that Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell likely won't even bring the measure to the floor for a vote. That'll do it for the newscast today. If you are a subscriber on Patreon, keep listening. The Garbage Can is next. If you are not a subscriber, then the show ends right now for you. Thanks to our sponsor, the Congressional Dish podcast hosted by Jen Briney. Find it at congressionaldish.com. We'll be back in two weeks. We're here in D.C., so you don't have to be.